This is a Danger Entertainment Podcast. DangerEntertainment.net Danger Entertainment Podcast Network. Hey, are you a jock that likes comics? Are you a nerd that likes comics? Do you feel left out sometimes? Well, then we've got the show for you. I'm Imran. And I'm Anthony. He's the jock. And he's the nerd. And we host the Jock and Nerd podcast at jockandnerd.com. If you're looking for fun, entertaining, laugh-out-loud geek chat over all the latest Marvel DC shows and news, visit jockandnerd.com. Full spoiler podcast, lots of swearing. Uh, you're such a jock. You're such a nerd. Oh, come on. Shut up, nerd. Okay. Mike here. Check out our homepage, WeebyGeeks.net. Right-hand side is our affiliates. Support them, supports us. Also, too, check out our partners, Found Me and Heroes and Villains. Click their images, and you, too, get 15% off your first purchase for using the code WeebyGeeks, all one word. Also, too, check out the picture that's got the rotating images. That's our web store. Great place to get all your WeebyGeeks, Mighty Marvel Geeks, and Wookiee Radio logoed merchandise. So... All that can be found on the right-hand side of WeebyGeeks.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? left in the Geek Revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the dashing duo, Derek and Mike, and we are being joined by director and writer and producer of Eminence Hill, and I believe his brother, who was one of the stars in this, and that's Owen and Robert Conway. How are you guys doing? That's good. Doing good. Great. Doing great. So tell us a little bit about Eminence Hill. Well, um, you know, it's a Western in the tradition of Sergio Leone, Clint Eastwood. It's a uh, a morality play, which I think all good Westerns are. Um, the uh, broad strokes are young girls kidnapped by a ruthless band of outlaws. They are intending on selling her into slavery. Along the way, they get uh, they lose their way and end up in a town of religious uh, fanatics who believe in a very Old Testament form of law. And on their trail is a lawman and his tracker. So all roads lead to Eminence Hill and the ultimate climax of the film. Okay. So how did you come up with the idea for Eminence Hill? Well, it was interesting. I mean, I was having a steak dinner at my friend Charlie's house, and I, uh, he's, a cow- he's a real cowboy. He plays Car- uh, Carson in the movie. Watching yeah. Arizona Sunset, and it just hit me that I was ready to make another Western. My first film was a Western a long, long time ago, but since then I've been doing horror films. 
And uh, when I saw that sunset, so that beautiful big Arizona sky, I knew I was ready to tell another Western story. Um, funnily enough, there, there was another script called Eminence Hill about 15 years ago where the Quincy character was well established, but pretty much everything else about the script is no more. Everything changed. But uh, when I wrote Quincy and I wanted him to be a kind of our protagonist slash antagonist lawman, I wanted Owen to play him and uh, bring his very interesting approach on what he can give to a character to make you hopefully feel there's some redemption and uh, and even as dark as that character might be portrayed. Well, we uh, lucked out. We had a lot of really great cast members and, uh, of course, a really great script. And uh, part of part of this project, just in sort of a, uh, another sense, was um, playing into the sort of resources we had at our disposal, uh, you know, the community here in Arizona and, uh, you know, certainly the, the Western uh, fan base, uh, pretty loyal and uh, trying to tell, you know, a, a, a new story in a, in a familiar setting. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, from there, it's, it was just a matter of, uh, you know, uh, Robert, Robert really uh, uh, writing the script, you know, uh, certainly most of it. And uh, um, some stories, I think uh, Robert will agree, kind of just come to you and they just sort of come out in the way they're supposed to. And uh, others take uh, a certain amount of uh, heavy lifting, and I think um, uh, Eminence is probably uh, a little more of the former. Um, certainly, I think the uh, the characters all came across very uh, fully realized and very, uh, just as one of the actors, I can say, very easy to play. Um, they all have clear motivations, and even if they're maybe uh, not the uh, nicest of people, they're, they're understandable people. And I think that was one of the goals of the uh, of the story. Uh, I think that was achieved. Yeah, I think that came across pretty good. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, and uh, and, a, and a not particularly long uh, piece of time. So yeah, the uh, it's interesting. The principal photography was only sixteen days on this film, which is half of what I usually get. Oh wow! But because we were making a western, and we had to make every day go longer. I, you know, uh, there was a lot of additional cost I wasn't used to. We all had to work triple hours, triple shifts to make it. But we're we're very proud of what we came up with. Well, it was a great great film to watch. Really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you! Thank you so much. Yeah, it was it was a um, it was definitely an interesting story, and I, I really uh, there were some really good characters in it. You know, I think one of the ideas about being a writer is trying to find like you know you you go the plethora of humanity, particularly in an ensemble piece like Eminence Hill. So you hope that there's maybe probably several pieces to each character, uh, someone you know each individual can relate to. But it's kind of trying to cover the human experience in a in a and a very wide kind of shotgun dragnet approach. And um, that's definitely what I try to do with Eminence. And with that one, I think but he added to the script, I think. Yeah, I, I think you can only uh, pull that off uh, coming from a place of, of empathy and, and uh, compassion and understanding these, looking at these people as three-dimensional human beings as opposed to, while still recognizing that they have their, their important archetype uh, place in the story. Uh, we're still playing with the conventions of the Western in the sense so it was, Taking maybe characters we've seen before and doing them in a way we haven't seen, hadn't seen them, and rooting that in uh, in uh, empathy, you know. Okay, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say, um, so you had you had uh, mentioned that you had been doing mostly horror movies lately, so I wondered. Yeah. So I thought there was there was a little bit of an when they. A, a slight bit of a horror element when they got to Eminence Hill, um, in a way, and I wonder if if that was um, if that was a result of your working on horror films that influenced that. Well, 
you know, honestly, thank you for asking that, but honestly, it really has to be because I certainly didn't intend that. You know, I set out to set a West, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm sure there is, I mean, I did a decade in horror films, but that was not my intention. I set out to make a Western, a morality play. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is graphic elements and things like that, but I was trying to get down to, you know, what makes a Western so interesting is the fundamental intimate morality of the story. You know, the intimate morality is, the one truth told by one human being to another human being. You know, it's not it's not a huge idea. It's a it's a universal idea on a microcosm scale. So it's like, yes, you're right. I mean, horror movie experience certainly made me better at gore effects and things like that. But it, um, I don't know. And I don't, I don't ever intend to write, unless I'm writing horror, I certainly don't intend to write a dark script. <laughs> I just intend to write something that's hopefully truthful, uh, plays truthfully to the human experience, uh, lets us see things from different sides, uh, you know, sides presenting their arguments. Like, you know, you take Barry Corbin's character, Noah, I don't know. In many ways, it's easy to portray him as the good guy. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, he's sure. protecting his community, he's only punishing the wicked, you know. So there's like, um, but yeah, I, I, I've heard that a lot, and I'm sure you're not wrong. I'm sure you're right on about that. That was not intentional, but I think that's just a residual horror movie maker uh, uh, effect there. Which, you know, I think is a great thing. If you look at horror movies, what made them wonderful back in the day was they did have a sense of right and wrong. Right. Yeah. What I got kind of stagnant on horror was all the monster stuff, to which I've made more than a few myself, and I'm certainly, you know. Well, what you have in this one, I think, is, is human monsters, and uh, uh, but they're even, they, even the monsters are not, you know, even they come from a point of view. There's no absolutes in this. And I think the best storytelling being horror or, or, or drama or Western or comedy or anything is stuff that plays with those, uh, those ambiguous areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, I, uh, I mean, if you guys watch Unforgiven, you know, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, I think it probably is masterwork. You know, and Bill Daggett, played by Gene Hackman, they both make compelling cases for their morality. And it's right. up to the audience to kind of make our own decision on that. And I think that's what's so interesting about the Western. Again, it's a... Uh, it's very much a participatory art form. See, I, I saw it. I saw it instead of more horror, more of a it's a western with some suspense or thriller element in it. Sure, sure. No, and I agree. I mean, there definitely is, and you know, I. Uh, I don't shy away from violence, just like I don't shy away from sexual content. But you always want your sexual content, your violence, anything that's more visceral, anything that's more base to our nature, to be kind of um, almost superfluous to your overall goal. And as long as that violence or sex is furthering your overall goal, then I think it's positive. But it's so easy to overdo. So that's that fine line you have to walk. Like, we were doing this scene where the guy, uh, do you mind if I give spoilers? I, it's your film. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, all right, fair enough. Okay, so the scene where the gentlemen are being uh, you know, do some bowels running quarter. Right, that's I, that's uh, referring to, yeah. You know, well, this is something I like. My makeup artist, Catherine Yeh, who did that, my effects makeup artist, her and I worked on the Krampus movies together. So we're used to like doing the most gory, you know, nasty things you can imagine and putting it to film. And here we knew like we wanted to show less is more. And if you look at that stuff frame by frame, it's not that graphic. I mean, your mind fills in all the blank spaces, but we went through our paces to make sure we didn't actually show you that much of anything. Mm. Um, and I guess that's what I mean. It's like, uh, it's an interesting medium to play in. I just don't ever want to feel exploitative or that I'm trying to force the audience to feel a certain way. I think the magic of this type of film is the audience gets to make their own decision. Right. So. Right. Because you don't, you're not really, everybody has their own motivations in the film. Exactly. And I, and I don't think that anyone's motivation is necessarily better than the others, with the exception of Ruth and Ahara's character. Right, yeah. And kind of, you know, 
And the thing about Anna is she doesn't say a lot. And I love Anna. She, she's a you know great actress, a dear friend of mine for a long time. I love that girl. But I wanted her to play this character where she's kind of like Owen said it best several times. It's kind of her narrative that we're following. Yeah, she's a you know the audience surrogate. You know, yeah, she's uh, the audience surrogate because right. she's not any of these things. She's she's too young and she's too pure to be you know vindictive or you know full of rage or full of remorse or any other. Uh, she, doesn't, she can't get embody what drives our other characters. So I think that that's interesting, making her essentially the lead, and then we wonder what happens to her in the film. Again, another spoiler alert. You know, we like to think about where does she go from there? Well, obviously, I was trying to symbolize, I don't know if it's obvious or not, but I hope it's obvious, uh, that she was going to be okay, that she was going to be independent, she was going to be strong, she wouldn't need to rely on anyone else to survive anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, that because did, there is nobody else. That definitely came through. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a pretty special I was going to say, I found it interesting, um, the one scene where she, she was asking what they, they were going to do to the, to the, to the gang. And yeah. she, she said that she would, you know, she kind of wanted to see them get killed, but she was kind of ashamed to say it. And yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what scene you're talking about. That, that was a that was interesting, um, take on her character at that moment. Because you, you really, you can't blame her for feeling that way. Not at all. We want her to feel human. You know, we want her, she has to be human. She can't be above it. Right. You know, she can't not feel anger. She cannot, you know, she needs to feel these human emotions. She's a young woman, did nothing wrong. She's thrown into this horrible situation. Everyone else has already picked their path in life. She has Even her parents have picked their path in life. Right. You know, she... She's the only one that literally is 100% innocent, yet she's dealing with the brunt of everything. Mm. And, I, and I found and, it interesting uh, you, you you kept the character's innocence the whole way through with everything that she did oh, or yeah, was yeah, experienced. I, yeah, and I, I think when she found uh, what they actually were doing, like the manifestation of her fantasy about their death, it was so ugly that she revolted against it mm. because she really is a good person. And that's like, you know, it's one thing for like, you know, uh, a loved one to want to see, you know, if a loved one's murdered, a uh, uh, family member to want to see that uh, offender put to death. It's another thing to see the death in a very clear and you know what I mean? They, they, right. I wanted, I wanted Ruth to feel that sympathy. Right. And, uh, you know, and it doesn't give her the, you know, it doesn't give you, give you the, um, sort of convenience of righteous violence, you know, violence as being the, the immediate cure for it. Because even though, yeah, these people deserve it, I mean, and, and, but it's still, you know, the movie doesn't revel in it because, uh, you know, I think violence is, is objective and, and, you know, and, and, uh, I think that that's, that's in the story. Um, what's going to happen to Ruth? How is she going to move forward? What kind of person is she going to be? Um, continuing even in her way, this, this cycle of violence, I mean, certainly, uh, she, you know, she's never going to be a real perpetrator probably like that, but certainly never going to be a victim again. No, and I think if she interprets, uh, when I tried to, you know, I only had a couple of seconds there at the very end of the movie, and the, very, the hardest thing in the world was how to end a movie, particularly a movie you really care about. So we had written, Owen and I had written probably 10 or 20, I don't know how many yeah, scenarios, scenarios for Anna. Many different cuts, too. And, yeah. oh, my gosh, how many edits. And we shot a lot of footage. But it just came down to me that it was that simplicity of she's going to be okay. She's going to not, you know, she's never going to be the victim of anyone again. Right. But up to that, it's kind of up to her. And I think that's kind of like what they, you know, she's like the surrogate audience member there. It's up, it's up to you as the viewer. And what would you do? I mean, because, I mean, these horrors are, they're, they're, they're dramatized. And they're, and they're fictionalized, but this is these are there's nothing in this movie that is, doesn't have historic precedent, you know, relatively recent and probably in certain parts of the world. 
current, uh, you know, there's there's things like this sort of uh, uh, frontier justice and these sort of roving bandits and uh, uh, certainly religious fundamentalism uh, that can lead to violence. It's, you know, I think that's why it hits home in a lot of ways. And if I can add to that, I mean, you look at what happens when, like, an American soldier kills a Taliban bombmaker. You know, you can think about how that's broken down in the media. You know, the media portrays a very sympathetic uh, uh, version of that American soldier, and I believe I agree with that version. But there's also this other side to it where it's like, well, that Taliban bombmaker was, you know, underage, and he might not know what he was doing. There's always this duality. He wasn't a robot built in a factory. Right. But there's always this, like, he had a mother who cares for him. She's just like a weird, uh, I mean, I know what side I'm on as an American, but it's, it's uh, I like that Westerns let us explore these deep moral questions. And then we use violence, but hopefully responsibly. I mean, I know that that sounds a little bit like I'm full of shit, and I get that, you know, but it's not... Uh, the higher, loftier goal here is to try to question the way we behave towards each other. And I know that that's maybe not appreciated against many, but it is it is the truth. It's not, a, it's not an endorsement of violent behavior, vigilantism, nor is it a condemnation of such behavior. It's more of a uh, reflection, I hope, you know, of our current society, of our current state of being, and uh, the way I think we've always been as human beings. Very tribalistic, very angry, very sure of our own uh, convictions. Uh, and uh, but that doesn't mean we can't be wrong. And I, that's what I try to do with eminence. I mean, when I start a script, I try to think about a theme or an idea. Someone earlier today asked me about what do I do with my outline, and I don't know what an outline is. I guess mm. I should Wikipedia it, because an outline to me doesn't exist. What I have is a central theme. You know, I have an idea for a screenplay. I have an idea for a movie that I want to make. And then I build the film around that idea. You know, it's not uh, boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, blah, blah. It's not second first. You know, second, the, uh, the outline can make it all of a sudden be very clinical. And, and if you're losing the sort of magic of it, uh, it's going to be very hard to do. Well, yeah, um, I just think coming from, sorry to interrupt, but I think no, it's yeah. coming from a different point of view. I think it's coming from, I have an idea that I'm trying to express to you. I'm not trying to give you a definitive answer so much as to ask you a question. Mm. And, and, and that's, to me, that is, you know, like Martin Scorsese, the greatest filmmaker, in my opinion, of all time, with the exception maybe of Clint Eastwood, it's like, you know, let's study this, but let's not judge. Well, I think um, in particular, um, Thinking of of your character Owen, um, th- there's definitely some good duality there, where he, where he starts out as you think a, a regular lawman, and then you start finding out more about his past and who he was. And it's a little bit of a sleight of hand on the audience. A little bit of a you know you get to maybe maybe you get a feeling about Quincy off the bat that he's a little odd, but you certainly sympathize him in the sense that, well, he's the lawman. He's got to be the good guy, right? He's got to be, you know, because that's what happens in movies. And then as you, yeah, yeah, he's a little bit of a a magic trick in that sense. And then hopefully by the end, nothing looks too gimmicky and people see that they should have seen whatever darkness is in Quincy from the beginning. Well, I don't know if they should. I don't know if they should have seen anything. I mean, I think it's it's life's a journey that a destination that Steven Tyler once said. Sure, sure, sure. And I don't know, I, I feel like uh, the Quincy character to me was one of my favorite characters. He represents man's like, uh, there's a scene when uh, when Carson and Quincy are walking out of the whorehouse. And Carson says, uh, oh, I just had a lot of fun. And Quincy says something to him, I hope you enjoyed yourself. 
you know, you should try this. It would ease your tension. He goes, I don't keep with whores. And it's almost like those are, that's the duality of man right there. You have this fun-loving sinner who is Carson. He's a good man. He doesn't mean anyone any harm, but he enjoys his liquor. He enjoys his women. He's very loose. He's very, but fundamentally, he's, you know, everybody, we'd all call him a good guy. And then we have Quincy who holds himself to a higher standard. You know, he won't allow himself those type of pleasures, those type of distractions. And in some ways, I mean, I fantasize to be Quincy, to be that cold, to be that calculating, to be that. Uh, I think, yeah, the, yeah, you, you can uh, admire, let's say, the uh, how easy it must be for uh, a sociopath, basically, to uh, to do the really difficult things in life. Quincy, to me, has always been a, he's very tragic. You know, you have to, as an actor, approach it from a, um, an empathetic point of view. And with, he's a great tragedy figure, basically. What makes him exceptional, what makes him him, is ultimately uh, this ability to uh, commit murder with a gun really well. And, and, and not just to do it, but to manage it emotionally and mentally. And that's, of course, what ultimately destroys him. You know, so he's, he's I, I, I felt a lot of sympathy for him. And, and certainly, uh, I, 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 as an actor, you play it, you know, you don't, you can't, you really can't. It's a cliche, but you really can't judge. Well, at the same time, you know, as a writer, you need to recognize the function of the, the sort of thing. And you need to, as an actor, too, you need to recognize the uh, your place in the story. Mm -hmm. Well, one was actually, a, this is a little known fact, that there was, like, we had very, we had an incredibly small budget and very few days to uh, film this movie. I went actually directed a few scenes that were A-unit scenes. I did. So, I did. This is my directing debut, second unit on this uh, on this wonderful movie. Yeah. They weren't second unit scenes. They were real scenes Owen had to shoot because yeah. literally I couldn't be in two places at once. So yeah. it's uh, definitely a family effort. It's a very collective thing. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I hopefully it's just a, you know, a study of humanity. Uh, I hope it's something that the audience will think about. I hope it's something we can talk about. I, it's a, you know, and hopefully it's cool. Hopefully it's cool and fun. You know. Yes, of course. We'll get to that. We've got guns. We've got horses. We've got shooting. We've got, you know, you always want it to be a fun movie, you know, but I, I just think that, you know, the movies that really give you something try to offer you a little bit more. And we were operating at a very small budget with, you know, very limited resources that can get people to think a little bit about, you know, the human condition, good versus evil. And uh, our interpretations vary so much. I mean, just look at American Day and how politically divided we are. You know, you look at uh, a certain political figure and depending on what side of the political spectrum on, you think he's an oppressed god or a uh, a villain, and there's very little room for middle ground, and then right. apply that logic to our characters in our western, you know. And I I go out of my way never to discuss politics in my professional life, but I think that that's interesting, you know, because no matter which side of the political spectrum you fall on, you have family members and loved ones that fall on the other side, and I right. think that's the great thing about how can we both look at the same thing and see completely different results. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what I was trying to say with this movie and i certainly wrote it after the uh the election of uh, 2016 <laughs> you know and i won't i won't say i know i'm not going to say anybody who i voted any for. any piece of art that gets the conversation going i think is a good thing and, and as long as it's rooted in a place of ultimately a place that i think love and community which definitely this project has always been um from the beginning it's uh it, it, it'll do good and, and at least in the sense of if nothing else it's a it's a it's a cool story you know and it's a fun western and i always make sure that i always go to the game of thrones motif make sure there's plenty of action plenty of sex plenty of violence 
but I, I hate when that gets detracted from what we're really trying to say. I mean, I use that stuff as a story tool that I would use no matter what. Right. What kind of a film that I would make, I would try to make it as historically and realistically accurate as possible. Well, unfortunately, with today's media, you know, with the way the hyperbolic culture works, uh, sometimes you get pigeonholed into that. Like, we're just going for shock and awe as far as gore or, you know, sexual content or action. But that, that, that's, you know, that's not it. But I do think that the audience in general, which includes, you know, me, of course, you know, we're, we're all hungry for more uh, complex material from, from our creatives. Uh, and I think you, you see that reflected in what what's successful, what what hits it big. Yeah, you still have your your popcorn fare and everything, but even the popcorn fare is held to a higher standard. You know, you 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 know you, you can't have a crappily acted comic book movie anymore. It'll maybe it'll make yeah, money, but it won't have it'll won't have the sequels. And if you're not making the sequels, you're not you're losing money. It's the audience across the board, I think, is is hungry for a, a more complex material and and and. Yeah, that shit, you know? I'm not a comic book fan. For me, that's Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones really did that great. Breaking Bad before it. Like they, they showed you all the gangster movie stuff, all the, the you know, all the the trappings of that, and then they went so much further. So not not to put myself on their level, but uh, well, you just aspire. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You aspire to see. So I know we talked a little bit about Quincy. Um, you as the actor, can you? Give us like some background on Quincy because you you tend to discover there's more than there than him just being a marshal. Um, yeah, I mean I can give you a little insight. You know, if you have time with a character, if you're lucky enough to have a lot of time with a character, uh, you you get to um, you get to really do the work and do the write the whole kind of thing out. And I mean I, I had a yeah I had a particular backstory in mind. And to me, he always struck me as this solitary, very solitary figure. So you know, he probably uh, probably was an orphan or something of the sort, and, and, and certainly someone who's been underestimated uh, physically his whole life. And uh, you know, someone you don't you don't take a look at and are immediately intimidated by, which in this world is a, you know this mythic world is a, a liability. You know, you need to be a uh, a scary looking animal out there to deal with the other animals. And Quincy, um, you know, it's part of his, you know, sort of, his, again, his uh, maybe ability to rope a dope is that he doesn't look so imposing. But again, I mean, he's, he, he, I don't know, I guess, um, you know, the, the, it was the man finding his purpose whenever it was that he first picked up that gun and realized that this thing made him special. He was able to hit the target and he was able to, do it quicker than anybody else, and he was able to manage killing. To me, which, you know, is more uh, sort of the big hurdle to, to get across as an actor. Right. To, it, it's, it's not so much how does he draw his gun so quickly, it's, it's how do you murder people and be able to just kind of let it go off. Even if it doesn't, even if, it, how do you make it look like it does? Can I ask you a question, Owen? Sure. Um, I'm sorry, I hope you don't mind. I'm, I'm, no, no, go ahead. I just have one question for Owen, though. Do you, do you really consider it murder when you shoot someone? Or do you think Quincy considers it murder? Uh, I don't think Quincy considers it murder because it's almost always... I don't know. I don't think murder really means that much to him. I think legally he might, yeah, he might if he got caught, right, by, right, right, he would right. recognize that if he got caught by, a, you know, let's say a, another marshal or somebody like that, it would be legal murder. But I don't think Quincy, um, he's either buried those 
those human emotions in us that tell us that this type of thing is wrong. He either buried them so deep that, you know, he, you know, they, they're not in control anymore or they're not there at all. And I don't know if I have an answer to that question. I tried to play the conflict of that. Mm. It's interesting, though, because, like, you see the way he murders. Uh, we're, we're going all about spoilers here, but Maria Olsen's character. Yeah. And saying is Dan O'Hara's character. He has to do neither. Neither of them are a physical threat to him. Does he understand that that is... A prevent, uh, to save an innocent life, or is it simply to take out a threat? I mean, that's a good question. That's a good question. And and again, I mean, it's like Quincy to me is. I think the mere the mere disorder of what was happening there offended him, mm-hmm. and you know, and probably put it together that this was his quarry and that she is worth more alive than dead. Um, and that this and that Maria's character Abigail. Uh, uh, I think Quincy just puts everything. My choice was that he basically puts everything together the second he lays. He's out of town. He's almost all, he's almost figured it all out. And that was you know I was that was very fun to play in, in my scenes with Barry because uh, you know as an actor you're generally generally you're playing surprise you're playing the, the progression of the scene where you find something out to be the guy holding all the cards so to speak was was I don't know it was interesting it was a new thing. To, to me, it felt like he used he used uh, killing people as just another tool to get done what he needed to get done. Yeah, yeah, and I think he he would I think he would agree with you. You know what I mean? I think that's that's how Quincy definitely sees it. Uh, I mean, me as a as somebody stepping looking outside of him would be like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you need? To get that money, do you need to do it? What is it in Quincy that needs to hunt down Royce Tullis? And, you know, there are certain... Right. It's not because he feels like he needs to avenge the crime. Maybe there's something to that, but it's not... I don't think that there's a personal connection to the to the victims of the crime. It's more of a... I, I tried to play him as this, beyond, you know, just his, his, his personal choices, who he is as a human being, you know... What's his kind of? What's the abstraction of Quincy? What's his? What's what's the uh, artistic sort of spiritual thing of him? And to me, he was uh, civilizing the West. The the um, the influences on the old West that that uh, you know gave Native Americans uh, blankets filled with smallpox and yeah. and worked Chinese and uh, and Irish immigrants to death on the railroads. All in the name of progress, 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 progress. You know, I think that's that. You know, so the way he dresses, the way he speaks, and everything. He he does speak to that. I think he looks at himself as a civilizing influence, definitely in the world. And I actually was I was partially inspired by Dick Cheney, <laughs> all people. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, the sort of the, the cold, clinical, and the the um, the. Very well thought yeah, out, you know. Very well thought out. Yeah, very, the plan yeah. very well thought out. Not not a dummy, and not a, not a particular blowhard or like you know like very uh, showy. Right. Um, one of the choices I made with a gun early on. This is, this is kind of because I did it for two reasons. First of all, a gun was. It was a very big gun. So doing like uh, you know tricks where you flip it around, or you, or you, you know, you could have got another gun. If you I mean, well, no, it was it was good because I don't think those sort of tricks and that sort of showiness was very uh, much Quincy. No, um, no, no, not. And I found him uh, physically in the in the simple gesture of just holstering the gun without any you know without any you know yeah. dance about it. He, yeah. He's a He's a businessman, and he's a and he's a, a tradesman, and he's at work. He's he's not uh, he's not doing a, a show. But of course, he is ultimately a, a, a show. He's a you know the, the, the suit, the hat, all of it. The, 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 the kind of more refined way of speaking. It's all masking. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, is it a show or is it a mask? It's a mask. Yeah. Yeah. But he's very good at. It. 
<laughs> he's a great character, really a dream character. And, you know, I'm very grateful to Robert, of course, for Quincy's uh, trusting me with Quincy because... Uh, well, and just so everybody else, you know, knows this, uh, Owen was not my first choice for Quincy. No, 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 far from, no, no. I wanted Owen to play the character that Louis Acarino plays called Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh. And I thought Owen could bring his very... I'm sorry, what? Oh, we no. were just... That was. I'm sorry. What? Acknowledging your choice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just saying that. That's interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, Acarino, I was not hired. Oh, I knew, I knew Louis for many years. We worked together a long time ago. And he's been a good friend of my brothers before that. Yeah, Louis was great. And um, but I never saw like Louis. You know, he's a good-looking guy. He's just kind of surfer-looking dude. And I'm sure he's gonna take offense to that. So <laughs> he's a very good-looking, handsome man. And I was like, you know, Owen is too. But I'm like, well, we could take him and we could put him in this. Like, he could really get into that real nasty evil. Like I. I I'm, I'm good at getting grimy. And he's done it before. Owen has done it before. Whereas Quincy, I didn't know about Quincy. And Owen really wanted Quincy. So I made him read for Quincy. Yeah. I don't know how screen, many times. You had to read that. We fought back and forth. But it was, I wouldn't say fight. Is the wrong I had to just keep on being convinced. I know nobody might not. And I don't, you know, frankly, I don't. But if the truth is the truth. I'd rather earn that part because he sold me that he could actually do Quincy better than anybody else could. Well, thank you. And, uh, that's not that's not something that I you know. And that is that is that is true. Uh, Robert definitely made me work for it, which of course makes the work better. Oh. You know when you and I I knew it was my part immediately, and I knew that it was going to take some Yeah, yeah. I, I had no, I had no. I knew it was going to take some. Yeah, I was so far from that. But we got there. <laughs> you know, I had an idea of what I wanted, and I didn't see how I'm doing it. But when I watched the scene with Owen and Lance Henriksen, like now I say, well, why did you? always think your brother could be this. And a good friend of ours, a uh, mutual friend, he was like, your brother's the guy, man. Your brother's the guy. And I'm like, yeah, my brother's a really good actor, but I don't think he's this guy. <laughs> and he's like, he goes, first of all, Robert, your brother's one of the best actors that you know. Secondly, trust me, watch his audition tape again. And I did. You know, I watched it with a friend of mine, uh, a mutual friend. And uh, he might have put he might have put him up to it on. But, uh, I paid off a lot of people to talk to Robert. <laughs> no, but I mean, again, like Owen is my creative partner. He's my brother in more ways than one, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I run a dictatorship and it doesn't always have to be this way. I always will be in the dictatorship. I'll just play a different role. If it's he a wants, benign dictator. Right. If he, but if he wants to make a movie and be the director like this, you know, and I'll, I'll help him write and he can make me play, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, it's just uh, what I'm very, oh, and I'm sure we'll agree, I'm very controlling about my screenplays. I'm very... Uh, People say, Robert, you have too much control. I was like, well, yeah, but there's still like four or five aspects of this production I'm not in control of. Like, nobody asked me if they want a glazer jelly donut. <laughs> so that's just uh, that's just my nature, and I, I won't I won't change. I'm too old to change. I'm 40 years old, just turned 40. So, yeah. Oh, congrats. You know, uh, that's, that, that is uh, part of art, and, and I think uh, film is an art form that requires a clear a vision at the forefront. You know, I don't know that film by democracy is necessarily makes for great movies. Well, I think, I think it's like a, a subjective democracy. Like, take everyone's good ideas and then take credit for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so how's your time? Go ahead, Derek. Well, I was just going to say that sounds... Oh, sorry, did we cut out? No, nope, still here. Oh, okay, cool. How did you come up with the rest of your casting choices? Well, I mean, um, it's a big story. Uh, there was a lot of people that we had worked with previously that we could trust, and that was really a, a kind of philosophy we went by. It was, but they all still had to read. I don't think there was anybody that didn't read on this, except for uh, Dominique. 
Barry and Lance. I think everybody else read. Yeah, everybody else has think read too. Yeah, and like I, I mean, you know, Lance. I initially figured as a different role, and Lance wasn't feeling that role, and I wanted to work with Lance. You know, uh, he's a great, awesome guy. Like you just, I couldn't say enough great things about Lance Henderson. You know, this is a man that like he's done everything, but he's in it for the right reasons. Right. And, uh, yeah, and he was uh, on set. You know, there wasn't any sort of uh, you might expect kind of diva attitude from somebody who's so accomplished and, and you know famous and. It, it, it was uh, it was a very what I experienced of him was not just a nice guy but a very invested and thoughtful scene partner somebody somebody who really cared about getting the scene right and getting the characters right and 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 you know giving as much to me as I gave to him and and uh, just a complete professional and just an awesome guy yeah and I, Barry Corbin was exact same way we were very very lucky I just can I can finish about Lance for a second because like I wanted Lance to the film really bad and. And he didn't want the part that I wanted. And he offered to do a really small role. And I'm like, Lance, come on, man. And I knew if I did that and if I took him on on this smaller role, you know, that I was going to get beat up in the press for it. And if you read the LA Times, I already am. I mean, yeah, you get the uh, sun cast. You know, the, uh, and, and, but it was interesting because I was out at his house about a month ago. And I was shooting his BTS video. And he's such an awesome guy. And he goes, Robert, I hope that's what you understand. That's not what I was doing to you. You know, because when he came out to set, it was so funny. because Robert, you write five more steps, uh, five more scenes for this character that, that you want me for. And I'm here for you, brother. It was like, he's just a great, he just didn't feel the character that I wanted him in. You didn't and, feel the uh, bigger part. That's yeah. it. Uh, you know, we know Lance is, you know, a very, you know, internationally known actor. And, you know, uh, things are going to get marketed a certain way. But Lance was like, he's like, I really feel this guy. And I remember just thinking about that. And I was like, well, I, I can't say no to Lance Hendrickson. That's just wrong. And sure. I totally see Lance in this character as well. In fact, he may well be right. And after I shot the scene, I knew he was 100% right. He was 100% right where we got him, where we got him. And I'm just, it was an honor to work with Lance. I remember... It was like, gosh, it felt like 12 below zero. When we're going it back. Was it was a cold night. It was Owen and Lance and I working scene, you know, in a little uh, bridal booth at the location, <laughs> which doubles sometimes as a wedding location, which was our <laughs> VIP area. Yeah. And it's just, it's the guy is just, uh, I, I can't say enough great things about Lance Hendricks. I mean, a real believer in film, a real believer in independent film, and the truth of the character is the truth of the story. And clearly a man who just loves, the, loves to be an actor and loves just, to just, act. Yes, you know? just an honest down-to-earth guy that just wants to see this. He wants to make sure that he's being truthful, and if he doesn't feel he can be truthful, he'll tell you that. Just, this character is not me, that character is. Yeah. But then I got to get on to uh, Barry Corbin. Um, Barry was like a dream to get. I didn't think I could get Barry. I budgeted for another wonderful actor named Buck Taylor, and when Buck, uh, you know, we had some complications. Uh, Linda McCarroll, Linda McAllister, I'm sorry, she said, what about Barry? And I was like, well, I'd love to get Barry, but I can't put him in budget. And she's like, well, leave that to me. And so I got to give a major shout out to Wyndham McAllister, um, who's his agent. She she called me back. She goes, okay, I'll tell you what. Who wants to do a movie, Robert? And I was really, really floored. When Barry came in to do the role of Noah, oh my gosh. I mean, the first time we had him on set, he looks at the, I mean, not even the first time, but when he looks at Louis Acarino's character who plays Cyrus, and he goes, are you speaking falsely now? <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, do you speak falsely uh, now? And Barry was just amazing. And I've known Barry forever. I've known Barry from Northern Exposure, from a, I'm yes. a huge Johnny, uh, a John Candy fan, who's Harry Crumb. Yeah, yeah. Sitting there talking to Barry and his beautiful wife, Joe, about that. And like, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm a, a Coen Brothers obsessive, so yeah, and I believe that it's a toss-up between Lebowski and No Country for All. Oh, I say no, no Country. No Country for All is, is 
it's it's a masterpiece of filmmaking. And he that scene he has at the end with Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, just to, that didn't hit me until I was looking him right in the eye. You know, I didn't really, it didn't hit me that Barry Corbin. And then there was uh, Swain, Dominique Swain, that uh, I didn't. Um, I knew uh, someone who had worked with her, so I didn't have to go through the whole agency rigmarole. You know, right? I just asked my friend Maria Olson. I was like, Maria, do you know this girl? You you know you know who we were there? Maybe I can get a script to her and bypass the whole. Not that I'm trying to circumnavigate anyone because they're all going to show it to their agents anyway. It's just like if I can get them excited about a project, I'm a producer. You know what I mean? If I can get them thinking like there's something good, maybe. You try to stand out among these. And Dominique told me back right away. Like, she literally gave me the biggest compliment any actor's ever given because she read the script that I knew. Like, Maria emails me Dominique's uh, email address. And she goes, yeah, Dominique says she'll read your script. And it wasn't more than an hour and a half or two hours later that Dominique calls me up. And we didn't get off the phone for, like, four hours. Oh, wow. <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, oh, my God, this is my Gretchen. Like, she's the girl that I wanted. She's the woman that I wanted. But more importantly, like, she just got, she literally just got that script. She must have gotten it, downloaded it, and read it. And that's what she told me she did. And she could not have done any different. And <laughs> she's just like, I really want to play this character. And I was just so enamored by that. And uh, I knew she was right for it. And, uh... But, uh, we were very lucky. We were very dedicated. We really, we really, we really did. You know, and everybody was there for the right reasons. It was cold. People don't think Arizona gets cold, but in January it does. It gets cold <laughs> out not, the desert. Yeah, <laughs> not upstate New York cold, but it gets cold. And I uh, know we like Dominique, Clint James, one of my best friends. Yes, of course. You know, talking up about Clint. And Clint James, who plays Royce, like he called me with Robert, when are you going to make it? You and I are going to make another movie together. He goes, I don't know, Clint, I can't afford you anymore because this is where he went way up since Max he's done a lot Seven. of really big stuff. Max Seven, Walking Dead, Salem. And he was, dude, I don't care when it comes to you, man. It's not about that. So I was pulling in like, I wasn't going to say I was pulling in favors. I kind of was, but I was also like killing my friends. This is what I'm doing. I really want to say that, real quick that Clint's performance in this movie is absolutely beautiful. And, and he, he, yeah. he, I mean, it's, it's, He's, he's absolutely uh, incredible in this movie. And he's so dedicated. Yeah. You're never going to be a harder working actor than Clint James. Sure, yeah. You know, and just again, Clint and I go back, gosh, since our first feature together. And he's, you know, he, he's mainstream today. I'm not. But, yeah. but, dude, I'll come back and I'll do any movie you make. And I'm holding to that when I do Krampus 4. Krampus 4, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Krampus with Cowboys. <laughs> hey, there you go. <laughs> And we're going to get the call tomorrow. Here's $100 million. Hey. No, it was a really great experience, and we really do owe it to our kids. Like, Maria Olsen, you know, Maria's another one. She's just a friend. She's somebody that, like, I can go to her and say, hey, Maria, this is what I'm thinking about. And uh, I I actually had the pleasure of directing Maria. Uh, She was one of my scenes that I took over. And, I mean, such an unbelievable pro. And, And... it's funny, she'll give you, because uh, when, you know, uh, well, obviously when you're cutting, the takes should look similar in case you want to use alternate takes. Um, but if you're, she gives you the same thing in a different way, if that makes any sense. So you can use every single one of Maria's takes, but she gives you almost just a different shade, a different kind of color every single time you have her on camera. Just subtle. Uh, just an incredible actor yeah. uh, and who can, you know, she can do all the emotional and all the, the moment-to-moment stuff and hit her mark on the dot every single time. And there's, there's another issue. Obviously, Anna Hart, who is like my little sister. I love Anna. Anna's amazing. It's my third time working with Anna. And Anna actually won Best Supporting Actress Award at the Wild Bud Film Festival. She oh. did. And she certainly deserved it. I, I love Anna. I can't say any good things about her. Uh, little well, Amelia Haberman, who did a music video for the film. It's on the soundtrack. Yep. Yeah, we have that up on the Facebook page. Yeah. The, uh, her rendition of Odette. Um, we we're just we're very lucky to have such talented actors, such gifted, and you know not just actors, but 
you know, Barry Cohen, my cinematographer, you know, Jay Martin, my composer, like, I'm nothing without those guys. Uh, Lori Haberman. Lori Haberman, my art director. Capernier. Capernier, special effects and key makeup. Vicky, Vicky uh, Sandoval. Yeah, Sandoval. Uh, key hair, uh, key hair designer. So, yeah, I mean, big, big movies, studio movies are made sort of by committee. Uh, independent movies are made by communities. Yeah, good, good, well said. You know what I mean? Yes. And then this was a community that came together, uh, passionate about a piece of art, and 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 made it happen. And uh, again, really against all odds, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm just gonna add on that real quick though. And is the the reenactment community? Yes, yes, are the most important people in all of this because yes. you would not believe the amount of awesome. Wild West enthusiasts that come forward and say, I just want to be in your movie. And I'm like, I'd love you to be in my movie. I can't pay you. I can't travel you. They're like, I don't care. I'm showing up nine o'clock in the morning with my full outfit, with my horse, take me or leave me. And these are people with stunt experience, uh, uh, experience with uh, guns and blanks. Basically, you point the camera at them and let them do their thing. They just, they just know what they're doing. They're, they, they really add that joy of the Wild West. They love the genre yeah. as much as we do, and it's so awesome to make movies with huge movie fans. But think about it. This movie this movie was made by Western movie fans. Yes, very much so. So hate us or love us, but this was a fan film. In every sense, this is a Western fan film. And, you know, I want people to know that. Okay. I, I, I will say it definitely shows in the film. Uh, it, yeah, you can oh, tell man. there's a love, love there, yeah. and it carries over. Well, thank you very much. And again, it's it's like uh, there was these four guys that came out every day during principal. Like our Emma, we always need Eminence Hill like bodyguards. Yeah, yeah. You back four gentlemen. Uh, it was Sean. It was Gary. It was Sarge. It was Dwayne. Dwayne, yeah. These yeah. gentlemen came out every day, and I was like, we cannot credit them as background. That's not fair. So I made, I named every single one of them because you see them so much. Yeah, I mean. So when I'm doing the credits, I'm like, you, I've got to name these characters. These are, these are actors. These are not background. They and, really were. They were so integral to the to They the, were. To the story. And they helped us shape that town that we showed on film. And and on, on a daily, you know, a day-to-day basis, they, they brought an energy of such enthusiasm and, and a, 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 you know, mutual respect and just this uh, it was it was such a great energy every day on set it was not you know it, it's hard work and it's long hours and you don't those guys never complain one time and those guys never complain one in fact they were like hey robert do you need my horse back here tomorrow yeah it's exactly. i mean they were just yeah. the sweetest most excellent people and we had our little premiere on phoenix arizona which is owned my hometown yeah and it was really wonderful i mean it's a great experience it's uh, to come and see western fans make western movies if that's what you guys are about you know there's a labor of love it's a passion project not just for me but for all of us and uh, i've made so many amazing friends and i will just say one thing and i know it seems a little bit trite but in this very divisive political community there were people from every you know creator color of politics today we were all friends we were here to make a movie there was no negativity on our set it was literally about positivity yeah i mean it, it, it was an experience that taught me that you know i can disagree with someone on everything in the world and then say well well yeah but like Unforgiven's a great movie yeah right? but John Wayne's yeah. a bad John Wayne's a badass right you know I mean like Django was cool or, you know I mean it, and it was it's it, yeah, I mean, again, anything on this level is done by a community, and, and that's that's about building a common purpose and 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 building bridges, you know, and instead of you know, 
instead of feeding division, which exactly. I think I think That's a lot of media really does that. A lot of media, but also a lot of artists, a lot of sure, creatives. Sure. I think I'm sure I feel like we're speaking, we're speaking, well, not sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we're speaking from a place of anger and hurt, and, and start to feed the division. I hope that this this movie, because my experience of this movie certainly was, reflected this. I hope that this movie helps uh, bring people together in, in, in some way. And, 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 some well, way. and it really should, because, like, I mean, before a certain gentleman was elected, once we asked for a certain gentleman was elected, I got very upset. And a friend of mine came to me, he was in our film, Santiago, great, great guy. And he said, Robert, this is not what you're meant to do here, man. You're meant to make movies, you're meant to create tell stories. And, you know, you're not meant to be a divisive force. And as much as I respect people like Michael Moore and others, I do really respect them, but that's not me. You know, my job is to uh, make Western movies, you know, and, and hopefully show other people that, like, you know, literally we had African-Americans, we had Hispanics, we had Latinas, we had uh, people from uh, every walk of life on this film, and there was no tension. There was no, it was almost like, I know this sounds so cheesy, and I'm just blowing smoke at my own movie's butt, but it really felt like this was the perfect America, like in a microcosm of it. Like there was no BS. It was just, it was just awesome. You know, everyone was cooperating. Yeah, it was getting through all the news filters, and it was a very diverse crowd. Very diverse. diverse. It really was. It's it's obviously a lot of most of the characters are white and such, but it it, it's there's the there's the people you see on screen, and then there's the the huge network, even on our level, behind it. And and it, it all different walks of life, all different uh, 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 you know experiences in the world came together to make a cool movie, and and I think that's the the beautiful thing about film, you know, is it is not an, a piece, of, it's not an art form you can do on your own. You do need to collaborate. Even you know, even though you need the dictator at the head, you need the the fearless leader at the head. Um, without the team, without the army, without the you know the uh, it, it's well, it reminds me you know and, I, and I'm not trying to compare myself to a national tragedy I wouldn't do that but on 9/11 there was no Democrats there was no Republicans there was no you know and uh, I never that spirit does really exist primarily in most people almost all the time because like I said earlier people do have family members of all different political stripes and it's like it's just getting past that. Uh, not not to ever say your 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 concerns aren't valid because they are, but it's like it you know it's just to look at people and give them a second glance and not say well because this person supports some political candidate or this person voted a certain way that I should fundamentally discount everything they say and that's all that's all that's all it's just a very uh, you know well, honestly yeah it comes from a place again of empathy of not judging or, or or at least acknowledging that you're judging and wondering well I'm judging this person what is their story. Let me just think. I mean, why? After this person hurts me, they 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 cut me off in traffic. They do this or that. They insult me. They make fun of me at work. I, you know. Yeah. So what's their story? What happened? Hopefully, it's just about conflict resolution. I mean, that's what I hope. Finding common ground. Conflict, yeah. yeah, conflict resolution because we do have a heck of a lot more uh, in common with each other than we might think, particularly in such a divided time that we are in America right now. And uh, you know, people of all walks. Uh, every uh, gender, every preference, every race. Everybody loves the Western, and that, that's what we're basically here to do. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell a good story. A good story is uh, uh, uniting. You know. Okay. Uh, Eric, you got anything else? Um, I did. Let's <laughs> go. It's your turn. I, 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 
No, this is. I mean, I, I, I hope we haven't gone over your guys' time now. No, an awesome conversation. I really have enjoyed it, guys. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this has been great. Sorry if I got too preachy, but I do believe that stuff. I've got to look for hope. Yeah. Uh, I'm so discouraged when I watch the media every day. We like to be. We like to be real around around these. <laughs> no, we do. And I just again, I, I just like as a filmmaker, like I get you know. I'm sorry I'm telling you my life story, but I got very political after someone was elected. I don't say names, but I uh, I realized that you know there there was a better way to try to bridge bridge divides and then attacking people or, or insulting them. And sorry, I, I am way off my soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> off my soapbox. I apologize. No, I apologize. And again, good art gets conversations going. I feel. Oh, okay. definitely. It's it. I like to hear. Um, we've heard it from other some other filmmakers before about the uh, it being a community making the film. What well, really is? Yeah, I mean, well, like a, a pioneer village. Uh, our location, our incredible location. I mean, you're you're talking about. I, I mean, Hollywood. In my opinion, Hollywood levels of production value, um, and they were so generous to us. They, I mean, you're basically they're they're a museum. And we were. So, let me give them a shout out. It's Pioneer Living History Museum, north of Phoenix, off of the I-17 and the Carefree Highway. It's a great place to take your kids. Great place to learn about American history. Very family friendly. Very, you know, a lot of fun. Yeah. And the other place is uh, Mescal, which is part of the old Tucson Studios crew. So if you've got young kids, you want to show them the uh, something about Western uh, cinematic history. Take them to old Tucson Studios. Uh, that's where John Wayne shot. That's where Clint. Uh, sorry, don't say Clint James. <laughs> Clint, <laughs> Clint Eastwood shot. Uh, uh, Clint Eastwood shot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know, and, and I mean we have, have our gold jewel gunfighters as well. I mean we, they're, they're, you, you, yeah, it's about the community. I mean it, it is just. It's this funny thing where you get this ball rolling. You get a you get a story and a good story, and and you know we had the promo and everything, and the ball starts rolling, and it, and and the the, the your allies kind of just materialize. Maybe they're friends you've had before, maybe they're not, but they're they're drawn to this, uh, you know, this ball of energy that is that is a movie that starts with you know Robert's idea as he was looking at the sunset and. And I, I think if you if, if it's a real piece of art, if it's a passion project, people follow passion and they're drawn to it. And um, I, I think you have a Arizona gets a little bit of a bad rap rap rep, sorry, in the press. Uh, and, and but we we grew up there, and I found there there's a lot of compassion and there's a lot of uh, um, friendliness and just just a, a and a more kind of down to earth quality there and and um without that really without arizona you know without the arizona film community yeah, right. without just arizonans this movie doesn't exist exactly. you know our careers don't exist exactly you know? yeah so it, it, and our it, parents robert and kathleen nothing exists course, without them. Yeah, they're um, so so they're so supportive and so amazing of everything we've done yeah we we, we are we are very fortunate we are the we, we are the luckiest brothers on the face of the earth you know? <laughs> so what's next for you guys we feel very good we're going uh ten, the movie opens tonight just uh, down the street from us here in beverly hills we're at a nice hotel room here just waiting for the uh Waiting for the movie to start here at the uh, the at the Lemony Music Hall. It's uh, oh. 9.55 p.m. for the next week, uh, every night. And then on the 5th, it'll be available on VOD, DVD, nationwide. You name it, iTunes, Voodoo, uh, yep. Dish on Demand. You yeah, name you it. Google it, you can find it, yeah. Excellent. So what's up next for you guys? 
Well, um, I'm really working on another Western. I've, uh, I've gotten, uh, well, I've got two movies, of course. I've got an action movie and I've got a Western, but I'm really feeling loving playing in the Western genre. You know, it's so much fun just like, like Owen was saying, like we've been talking about this collaborative art form. It's so much different than my horror. Um, not that we don't collaborate in horror, but this is something special. And we, uh, Owen and I are working on a follow-up piece. We don't have a title. I'll tell you what it's called right now. Hold the drum roll. It's called Western. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that literally is what the work is. Like. Originally it was Western. Yeah. But uh, very original. Yeah, and it's an interesting story that Owen definitely inspired. And he gave me kind of like this idea that he had. And we combined it with a little bit of an idea that he, that I had. And, and we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're very close. And, we are. Uh, it'll, 99% be our next project is a, a Western trying to build on the stuff that worked in Eminence Hills. You know? no, because again, I just, I love the genre. I'm having so much fun. I've never seen no to horror, never seen no to sci-fi, never seen no to action, but right now it's just, just, uh, right. and it's, it's, you know, for any, anyone who listens, you know, and, 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 and thinks, well, Hey, you know, I want, I have a story in me. I want to make a movie. Um, what we did with the Westerns, what we're doing here is we're playing into the resources that we have. Exactly. We're, 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 we're doing what we can where we are with what we have. That's a very good point. And, and, and that's, that's what gets art made and that's what gets your voice put out there. Just look outside your front door and look at your neighbors and your friends and your, your community again. Right. And, uh, and, um, and a couple and, of years ago I was living in Virginia and I thought they had all these Confederate and Union reenactors and all these uh, Revolutionary War reenactors and I said if that was me instead of living in Arizona I'd be making a, either a Revolutionary War or a Civil War film. And that's what I encourage. That's what Robert Rodriguez taught me. So just uh, shoot what you know, shoot what's at hand, and shoot something that you think people might actually want to see. Huh? Good advice. Where can people find you guys on the internet? Okay, so we are at uh, Facebook slash EH Western, and then we are on Instagram at Eminence Hill. And I think we're on Twitter at Eminence Hill also. Whatever, yeah. Facebook is uh, E's and Eminence H's and Hill. I'm sorry, it gets a little bit confusing. E-A- yeah, Facebook slash EH Western. Or, I mean, we're on IMDb, you know, there's links. There's uh, uh, certainly... After the fifth, we'll be on uh, we'll be on all the streaming platforms and stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, we'll be out Please there. Please check us out, Nate. Guys, thank you so much for spending all this time with us. Sorry for talking. Yeah, time. no, this has been awesome. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Oh yeah, and, and thank you guys. And thank you guys for coming coming on. And um, we, are, we really appreciate it, buddy. Y'all thank are you so much. Though. Y'all are welcome back anytime. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I, I like this vibe we got going. <laughs> Me too, man. I, you let us talk, we'll never shut up. You got to yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes for a good show. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much. You guys have a great night, okay? You too. Thanks. Uh-huh. Good night. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. It was a great interview. Yeah. There, there's, there were a couple of good guys to talk to. Very passionate. Um, I can't wait to see more from Robert with the Westerns. Yeah. I, I thought I, I really liked his style with Eminence Hill. Mm, yeah. And, and I will I will say, I will put it up there with uh, um, Once Upon a Time in Deadwood as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can see where those two films could exist in the same time period. <laughs> so, I could see. Um, any final thoughts before we go for the night? Um, no, I think uh, I think that's everything. Uh, I'm gonna say Ant Man Three's been greenlit. Yes, yeah. Dire- the original director is back, and um, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse is getting a sequel. Released. Yes, the release date is April eighth, twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. And in two weeks, we're going to be talking about Disney Plus. Yes, I can't wait. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm. 
So if you have nothing more, that's it for me. I got nothing more. There's only one thing to ask. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production. But not you guys, because you're not normal. You're special.